You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 24. Well, welcome back. I'm Gavin Webber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. Well, this week's episode, I'm going to be uh, briefly talking about cheese tasting. And some of you who follow my other blog, The Greening of Gavin, may have read that I had a uh, a pizza party in my um, backyard pizza oven. And for that, uh, those pizzas, we made some mozzarella uh, and we sliced it up and we, uh, we froze some of it and grated it and uh, put it on the cheese. So some of the pizzas we used pre-packaged what's known as pizza cheese, which I think is a mixture of um, commercial mozzarella, a bit of Romano, some Parmesan, and I think that's about it. Um, But look, it tasted all right. It's not too bad at all. Um, But we did have a cheese platter, and it was delicious. So on that cheese platter, we had some double brie, and it's one of those, um, not the petite bries that you buy that look like camemberts and you can't tell the difference. This one was a uh, half of a, a big wheel, come in a, in a big wheel that are about 30 centimetres across, uh, and it was delicious. Uh, it was made by a company called Unicorn, which I think are in here in Melbourne, and uh, it, it's a delightful double brie cheese. Delicious at room temperature, just right. The paste is just starting to run. Really nice cheese. Uh, we also had a, a smoked Dutch cheese, which I found out when I read on the back of the packet, because uh, my wife Kim bought all these cheeses, was actually a processed cheese. So look, the flavour was probably artificial, but look, it, it tasted okay. I won't knock it too much. Uh, it wasn't a true smoked Dutch cheese, and I don't know if there's actually such a variety, but uh, uh, I think it looked rather similar to a um, an Edom, which had been put through a smoker, but it was a processed cheese, so not the best. There's another one uh, from King Island Dairies, which I'll just call out, called Roaring Forties Blue. And this blue cheese is very similar to the one that I make. And, oh, my goodness, I tell you what, it is delicious. A very, very nice blue cheese if you're in the market for that sort of thing. Uh, if you can't tackle Stilton yourself, then uh, do yourself a favour. And if you live in Australia, look up the um, King Island Dairy Roaring Forties Blue. Very, very nice. As I mentioned, there was some mozzarella. Um, there was some of my own. And there was some an organic um, variety of mozzarella by True Organic. Now, I won't say that this tasted like soap suds. It did. Uh, it really did not have much flavour. I looked on the back of the packet and it did have uh, lipase in it, uh, which is fine. And I think that's what you're supposed to add to mozzarella. And it was uh, from organic cow's milk, um, but it just didn't have that, you know, the day after flavour that I make when I um, uh, when I make a 30-minute mozzarella. It really wasn't there. Anyway, and then next on to a True Blue uh, Parmigiano Reggiano. Uh, this was imported from Italy. Uh, it was a little bit of a wedge. wasn't cheap, mind you, but it was delicious. Um, we just uh, shaved it a little bit, and um, and it really did taste nice. Um, we also got a uh, there was a pecorino from from Spain, I think, or no, sorry, from Italy, 
which is a sheep's milk cheese. Um, that was delicious as well. Quite hard, um, but nice just to chip a bit off um, and chew on that. It was lovely. But, you know, all in all, I really do prefer my own cheese. And the only reason I didn't get out any of my cheese besides the mozzarella was that it's not ripe yet. And because we had that really hot summer, I didn't make any over the summer. I do have a Colby that's ready to eat now. Uh, And I just had a quick chat to Kim and see if she wanted to sample some. And uh, she said, well, we've got so much of the uh, other cheese left, which we do still have a fair bit left. Um, she didn't want to crack it open. So what I did, I put that into the cheese fridge to uh, ripen a little bit longer. It's been going for four months now. I'll let that mature probably just about for for another month, and then we'll see what it tastes like. I think it will be sensational. It's uh, It was a double batch. I used 14 litres of milk, so therefore it should taste very, very nice. Anyway, it's time for the news. Well this, new, well, this week's news comes from, I got it from Hospitality Magazine, which is an Australian online magazine, uh, and it states, specialty cheese venues on the rise. I won't read it word for word, but it looks like there are a few retail shops in Melbourne and Sydney uh, that now have a vast range of cheese. And the first one they talk about here is called uh, The Stinking Bishops, which is in Sydney's new town. It's a suburb of Sydney, and it operates as a retail cheese shop and a dining destination. Uh, it's a co-founded uh, with a guy called uh, Jamie Nemo. They said, uh, here's the statement, we went around Sydney and looked at the experiences being offered by different types of cheese shops and found they neither focused on the retail or the dining aspect and didn't really integrate the two. We offer something a little different. People are able to walk in, have a look at the fridge, sit down and enjoy a sample and head back into the fridge and buy some cheese to take home if they please. We allow customers to indulge themselves in the world of cheese, he explains. Now, that's quite interesting. Down in um, in Melbourne, uh, there is a cheese shop called Milk the Cow. Milk the Cow... It was founded by Daniel Verhayen, and he's the founder and director. They do a lot of corporates. Uh, they do some. They supply a lot of restaurants as well. And here's a little bit about the venue itself. Uh, it's situated in St Kilda. It stocks around 150 different cheeses. Half of these are from France. Uh, France. Oh, that's where uh, Jean Michel comes from, uh, and probably many other listeners. Uh, and a, uh, a large portion is sourced from other parts of Europe. And then there's a smaller section dedicated to the US and Australia, which is quite surprising because there are a lot of Australian cheeses these days. And there's a lot of artisan US cheeses too. I don't know, I'll have to go check it out. Uh, St Kilda's not very far from here, probably about 50 kilometres. So next time I'm in the city, I might check it out. So they've got a a five-metre-long cabinet, which also operates as the bar top, uh, and the whole idea is to offer artisan cheeses from all around the world. Uh, They do uh, cheese and wine pairings, and uh, something that I didn't really know is that they actually think that sake, which is a rice wine, uh, they say it goes well with cheese, and I'll have to try that next time. So anyway, I'll pop that in the show notes. Uh, It's a lovely little article there. 
Uh, and as I said, it was called Specialty Cheese Venues on the Rise. Uh, it's written by uh, Bray Carter. So let's check out the uh, one uh, voicemail that I have, and it's from Lynn. Over to you, Lynn. Hi, Gavin. My name's Lynn. I was actually watching some of your YouTube videos, and I want to say thank you. They're super. I really do appreciate them. One of the things that you said that you were going to do was show us how to wrap camembert, and I have had a bit of a search, and I can't find the tutorial on how to wrap it. Um, I was wondering if you could possibly let me know where I could find that. Thanks. Well, thanks very much for your voicemail question, Lynn. Well, unfortunately, I never got around to making a follow-up video for Camembert, um, but it is on my to-do list. However, what I did do was in, uh, sorry, on the Little Green Cheese blog, um, I wrote a full post about Camembert. And I'll put it in the show notes. Um, it describes, you know, it has the video, it has the recipe, it has what utensils to use, it has the full method, and that's including um, how to ripen the cheese. So uh, it also talks about how long after the the cheese is taken out of the mould does the um, the penicillin candidum form on the outside, uh, or a geotrichum if you're using that how to wrap it, when to store it, what temperature to store it at, uh, and some tricks and tips that I've learnt uh, the few times that I've made camembert. Now, I'm certainly not an expert at camembert. I don't think there are a heck of a lot of um, home cheese makers that are, uh, besides one or two that I know. Uh, Gukon is uh, in Canberra. He's a pretty good uh, camembert maker, uh, and he also makes a... um, uh, I think he was on episode... Uh, three of the podcast. Um, you can go and have a listen to it. He talks about a, a cheese called Cambenzola, which is a cross between a camembert and a gorgonzola. Um, he makes a wicked one of those. Yeah, all the instructions are on Little Green Cheese, and I'll leave those in the uh, in the show notes. Okay, now I have quite a few uh, email questions, and let's get into those. Uh, this one's from either... Michael or Grant? Doesn't say. It says, Hi Gavin, good to hear you back on the Cheese Podcast again. I was thinking they were gone forever. No, they're not. They're uh, they're still going strong. Um, what I have done is drop the frequency down to uh, fortnightly due to the... I'm not getting as many voicemail questions as I normally would. Uh, plus I'm not making cheese as often as I used to and uh, and I'm hoping to pick that back up again. But uh, fortnightly seems to be a good schedule. But, uh, yeah, hope you keep listening, uh, Grant or Michael. Uh, He's got a question, though. I have been making a few cheeses over the last few months and have set up a nice cheese cave to mature them all in. I have attached some pictures. There were some uh, very nice pictures on the email of some Stilton. Now, the question is, I'm a bit worried about the Stilton that I've made over the past few weeks that started to get a orange slant yellow mould appearing. Is this okay? I thought it was about, I was thinking about iPhone it over with some muslin dipped in brine. I'm not sure what that means. I was thinking of wiping it over. I think uh, some autocorrect has happened there somewhere. Anyway, thanks very much, Michael or Grant. Um, 
I'm just wondering, it's been a while since I answered this one, so I'm wondering how the Stilton turned out. But the yellow and orange mould looks a bit like uh, Brevibacterium linens, which is used to make uh, certain washed rind cheeses. They're, uh, the, the, the bacteria will be harmless. Uh, it looks like your cheese fridge or the box that you put the Stilton in may have been infected with that. Uh, it's harmless. And it does have a pleasant flavour, so um, hopefully your cheese turned out okay. But that's what it was. It was Brevibacterium linens, or B. linens is uh, what it's normally noted as in cheese books. Yep, hope that turned out okay. Okay, the next one is from, this one's from Helen. Helen says, hi Gavin, I've had two attempts at making mozzarella following your video both not so good. I ended up with a good tasting cheese, but not a good looking one. The cheese doesn't stretch like it should and ends up not sticking together. It just gets all stringy and difficult to mould into balls. Up until the microwaving stage, I have no problems. However, it's at this time that things go wrong. I believe it has to do with my microwave. I have an old microwave with 600 maximum wattage. I adjust the microwave based on a 1000 watt output um, but I think this was worse than the first. At what wattage of the microwave used in your video, please? Sorry, that's what is the wattage of the microwave used in your video, please? I'll keep trying until I get things right. I look forward to your weekly emails and admire you for what you have accomplished. Regards, Helen. Thanks very much, Helen. Uh, the video, uh, the, the microwave in the video that I used is 1,000 watts. Um, and basically I've had a success using a 600 watt microwave. That's what I use in my cheese making classes. And really I just extend the time by about 10 seconds. However, there may be a bit of a problem with uh, rennet and the calcium chloride. Um, and uh, I had a bit of a reply back from Helen and she said that she extends the time way more than 10 seconds. So the cheese may be too hot um, to start with. Uh, that's probably why it won't go into balls because it's it's stinking hot, uh, very stretchy. Uh, she uses a quarter of a teaspoon of rennet in a quarter of a cup of water uh, and she doesn't add any calcium chloride. So my recommendation is that uh, because the milk in the video was non-homogenized, that's why I didn't use calcium chloride. But yeah, use a bit of calcium chloride, probably about three mils in quarter of a cup of water. Add to that to your milk. Uh, that increases the... Sol, uh, soluble calcium and it makes the curd firmer uh, and add a, just a little bit more rennet uh, depends on the rennet you're using just add a little bit more because lipase also prevents the milk from coagulating um, like it would normally so add a little bit more rennet and you shouldn't have too much problems so calcium chloride add a little bit more rennet and you shouldn't have too many issues thanks for your email helen okay the next one is from Wayne and Wayne says hi Gavin I'm Wayne from the Northern Rivers New South Wales and I've been following your cheese making and copying some of your recipes however I'm having a problem which I believe is late blowing my first problem was with Cotswold when it blew I thought the problem might have been Clostridium which is a bacteria uh, and it was very smelly because I used raw milk uh, it also happened to the green pepper and now a Romano at nine weeks using homogenized milk. 
Uh, I dried the Cotswold in the cave, then halved it and cryovacked it for another six weeks. The family approve of it. It is quite sharp, the flavours, uh, plus the flavours of the onion and chives. The texture is okay, but whatever happened isn't life-threatening. Well, it's not. It just, um, that Clostridium bacteria adds a gas and it expands the cheese and it kind of blows up a bit like a balloon. I've had that problem with about uh, one or two um, Parmesan I made. And I've actually written about that on the cheese making blog, Little Green Cheese. And uh, yeah, it does. It blows up on the inside and, and the cheese is okay. Uh, it just doesn't look very nice. And when you cut it open, there's one grubby hole in the middle. What I had to do was uh, clean out my cheese fridge with a, a weak bleach solution. So that was about 20 mils of, of just normal household bleach. And I added that to two litres of water. And I just wiped over the cheese fridge to kill off any um, any of that bacteria. Uh, once I cleaned that out, the issue never came back again. Plus, actually, I there was something else I did as well, and I changed brands of milk. I was using uh, home brand milk, which is a, a, a generic brand that the supermarkets run here, cheap as chips, a dollar a litre, um, and it's pasteurised and homogenised, and it must be a mixture of about, oh, God knows how many cows, so what I did, I uh, took my cheese making up a notch and I bought a brand that I you can get in here in Victoria called Jonesy's Non-Homogenised Milk. It's been pasteurised, um, but it hasn't been homogenised, so it actually has the cream line on top. Uh, you have to give it a good shake before you pour it out of the carton and put it into your pot to make the cheese. But I haven't had an issue at all. Um, using that type of milk. It's obviously a better quality milk and the fat globules haven't been tortured through the homogenization process. So hopefully that helps. Uh, clean out your cheese fridge. You sound, you, you do mention that you're very clean um, in the process. So so I think that, uh, yeah, just uh, give that a go. Clean out your cheese fridge. Use, um, use a, a premium milk. If you're using raw milk, possibly pasteurise it. That might get rid of the bacteria that's causing the late blowing of the cheese. So hopefully, Wayne, that's helped you out there. And thanks for your question. All right, the next one is from David. And David says, Hi, Gavin. Just wondering if you could give me some advice about camembert I made five to six weeks ago. Firstly, I put the cheeses into... Uh, the maturing box, I left them as instructor for a few days, then turned them. When opening the maturing box, all the cheeses had flattened out considerably. Is this normal? Uh, yes, it is. Um, I found that if you fill up the camembert hoop to the top, and then if it drops and then you add some more, and then you add a little bit more, the uh, the weight of the cheese is too much. So what I do now is I fill up the hoop once and then just go fill some extra hoops up. Just do it once and don't top it up. Uh, that way it doesn't flatten out too much and you get a decent sort of round of, of camembert. Now David goes on, he says he's got another question here. So secondly, I followed all your advice in regards to the thermostat to keep the fridge at the right temperature at approximately 12 degrees Celsius. I noticed a lovely covering of mould. Uh, of the right colour spread across the surface until it came time to wrap the cheese. Now it's been about five to six weeks, possibly a little longer, so I thought it was time to trial a cheese. It had a beautiful rind, but it was runny like yoghurt all the way through and just poured out 
What have I done wrong? Could you please help? Yes. For your um, your camembert, I think you've left it too long. Uh, the optimum time at trying your cheese should be about four weeks, and it looks like the temperature is a little bit too high. If you pop over to uh, the green, uh, not the green cabin, the little green cheese, and look for the camembert post, uh, you'll see that the temperature should have been at seven degrees Celsius. So being at twelve. A little bit too high. Also, after you wrap it, I now recommend that you put it into your normal fridge at four degrees Celsius and let it age up until the four weeks. Four weeks is optimum ripening period um, because after that, and if it's too hot, there's a lot of ammonia created uh, and you'll find that the middle is very runny and quite ammonia, it's got a strong ammonia smell uh, and very runny in the middle. So try those, uh, David, and uh, see how you go. And thanks for your email. Last but not least, uh, this email is from Michelle. Uh, Michelle says, Hi, Gavin. Do you have any cheese classes in London or any online training? Many thanks, Michelle. Thanks for your email, Michelle. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't teach in London. It's a little bit far to travel from Melbourne, Australia. Um, Something like 16,000 kilometres. A bit far to go to teach cheese. I'm sure there's some fantastic cheese-making classes there in London. However, I do have some online cheese-making video tutorials, and you can find them at my YouTube channel. I'll just put that in the show notes. I've already replied back to uh, Michelle and and sent her the direct link, Um, but I will pop that into the show notes as well. Well, that's all the questions I have this episode. Hopefully you've enjoyed it and uh, we'll pop back the next time. Now, before I go, one thing I want to ask everybody who listens to the Cheese Making Podcast. This Cheese Making Podcast is quite popular. I get over a over a thousand downloads per episode, which never ceases to amaze me. I'm, I'm amazed by the... Uh, the amount of people who are interested in home cheese making and have found this podcast. But I'm going to ask everybody out there who's listening, I'm going to ask a very big favour. What I'd like you to do, if you could, if you've got the time, pop over to iTunes and, and I'll put a link through on the show notes, and if you could rate and review the Cheese Making Podcast, that'll help it get further up the charts and more people will find it Um, at the moment it doesn't even rate in the top 200 uh, which amazes me because there's so many downloads my other two podcasts rate in in the itunes list here in australia anyway and they actually have less downloads so please pop over to itunes rate the show if you think it's good and uh, and let me know via comment um if you've got any questions, don't forget you can leave a voicemail question and I will answer it on the show just like I do every fortnight or every week I used to. But uh, yeah, the show's going to go fortnightly now. So um, leave me a question either via email. I'll reply back to the email as quick as I can, but I'll also read it out on the show as well. So for upcoming workshop dates, recipes, they can all be found at littlegreencheese.com. You can also find my uh, cheesemaking ebook, Keep Calm and Make Cheese, The Beginner's Guide to Cheesemaking at Home. 
That's available on the site in all ebook formats and at most good ebook retailers. You can also find my cheese making video tutorials within that ebook or on my YouTube channel. Just search for the username Greening of Gavin. Thanks for listening, Curd Nerds, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Little Green Cheese Podcast. During this podcast, you heard royalty-free music by Kevin McLeod. I played Malt Shop Bop, News Theme, and Call to the Dairy Cows. <laughs>